Hello friends, welcome to the After Hours Lounge, welcome back if you are a regular listener. My name is Sandy, I am your host, and boy have I got an episode for you today. Um, I have had Mr. James Oliver, aka The Compassionate Man, um, on on the podcast this week. Uh, James is kind of one of those guys that I discovered through Instagram. Um, he's just been talking a lot about male mental health and just a lot of a lot of things uh, within the mental health space. Um, and as has he'll explain in the podcast, he, he's now you know building a business around that, which is always awesome to see. Um, and this is one of and I know I say this all the time, but this is one of the most enlightening conversations I think I've ever had on the podcast. Um, James speaks very eloquently. He's obviously very knowledgeable about his um, about his chosen subject, um, but just. I know, obviously, his name is the compassionate man, but just the amount of compassion he shows um, in in his conversation is is amazing. We talked a lot about kind of male relationships and how why why men give each other a lot of shit and banter and why we find it so hard to to be nice to each other and pay each other compliments. Um, and and we kind of just got really got got right down uh, into that. Um, you know, we we looked at kind of the sympathy sympathy versus empathy, um, what compassion means. Um, why why us as men shy away from you know emotion um, with each other? We talked a lot about the suffering Olympics. Uh, we touched on quite a controversial but to me brilliant uh, podcast uh, that I watched online recently between uh, two actors, John Bernthal and um, Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf obviously in a lot of hot water um, with all the all the kind of domestic abuse allegations he's had against him. Um, and and everything like that, but him just kind of we talked a lot about that and and the taking responsibility um, that men men need to do, and then we talked about understanding why he, us as humans need to understand each other, even if um, we're from a different culture or a different we're part of a different ethnicity. You know, actually learning and understanding about other cultures and how that can help get rid of the the kind of suffering Olympics and all the the party lines that are drawn. Um, between so many cultures so yeah a hugely uh, interesting conversation perhaps a bit deeper um, than other other conversations I've had recently um, you know a huge thank you to James he, he talked quite a lot about um, unfortunately losing uh, one of his very close friends to suicide three or four years ago and he talked a lot about that and, and how he dealt with that and how how his uh, friendship group uh, could have dealt with it compared to, to how they did not they dealt with it badly um, but just things looking back that he would have done so a huge thank you to him for sharing that but also be aware that we do talk about that stuff if you find it triggering um, but as I say that's why I'm having these conversations is we want to raise awareness and, and you know normalize talking about this sort of stuff um, so yeah awesome conversation I hope you guys enjoy if you do give it a share you can follow james at the compassionate man on instagram and you can also follow me at the after hours lounge please do enjoy the episode A loud, a loud woman's going to scream at me. A loud woman has just screamed at us. We are recording. Uh, James, first of all, I've got to say this. Uh, you have the most majestic head of hair I've ever seen on a man. And this is, I'm hitting you straight with a compliment, mate. As a follically challenged man, I've been following you for a while. And and that thing, I am so jealous of, mate. And I, I just got to get it out now. No awkwardness. We're on video chat right now. I realize this is an audio podcast, although I will put it on YouTube probably at some point when I stop being lazy. But yeah, you you have the most majestic head of hair, mate. I'm very jealous. Brother, you've done something there, actually, in, in giving me that compliment, because um, 
you might have seen, you remember last year I had I grew my hair out, had really long hair. When I yeah. cut it all back, I noticed my hairline had gone back a little bit, right? A little bit. And this is, this is, this shows how silly we can feel or the way that we perceive things can be worse than other people see them. But I noticed that I'd lost a tiny bit, tiny little bit here. And there's just been this like mad self-consciousness about it. So no what are you saying that? beautiful thank you very much i received that and it feels good so no, um and we're all about complimenting each other as men that's uh that's, yeah very very welcome so thank you mate well that's that's what we want to get into yeah no it was just the, the first thing i want to say yeah it's, it's funny yeah i was um just saying i i've been uh, training a lot of jiu-jitsu recently and i went and i met a new guy there um a guy called wes and we, we just got chatting and stuff and then someone accidentally we both kind of have like you know a bit of blonde hair i've got a lot less than him but mm. that's the that's the point of the story <laughs> but we're we're going and, and someone called him my name someone was like oh sandy and then they're like oh sorry where's and he was like fuck me i wish i had skin like sandy and i was like well i wish i had hair like you mate you know and it, it kind of mm. the, the rest of the session had me sat there thinking i was like why do we do this to each other or to ourselves sorry why do we do this to ourselves i'm sat there beating each other up and little do i realize he sat there looking at my skin you know I, he had a couple of acne scars but nothing i would ever have noticed but he's obviously so conscious about it you know, and then I'm yeah, sat yeah. there. Obviously, I can't wear my hat while I'm while I'm at jujitsu. You know, I've got I've got to bear it for everyone. Um, you know, and, and it is and amazing, it, yeah. isn't it? How we um how we you know as as men we spend like our for example our twenties. The ways that we interact with each other are primarily taking the piss out of each other. So we'll yeah. call each other a I don't know a fat so and so or a smelly bastard or whatever it is. <laughs> you know, just when we're like you know greeting the lads at the pub or whatever. But actually, when that starts to get old and that starts to wear off a little bit, we actually crave those really, really simple things. I was uh, a couple of years ago, I remember noticing how, you know, women really hype each other up, you know, like, like, oh, my God, babe, you look beautiful. That dress looks killer on you. All that sort of stuff. Right. When men start doing it and it comes from a position where it's it's not satirical, it's not taking the piss anymore. You're just like, bro, your hairline, man. Love it. Your skin. And you go. Oh that feels really good yeah like, <laughs> it feels yeah. really good and it's just simple stuff it's actually just being nice to each other yeah. and you know as men we actually we compete or fear uh subconsciously we fear each other and we we have a lot of anxiety around just platonic male intimacy being friends being close sharing our emotions all that sort of stuff and something as simple as complimenting a guy on the shirt he's wearing or mate you smell great what is that aftershave or whatever it is like mm. that stuff is Mm, it's good yeah it's it like uh, you know i hold my hold my hand up obviously i open the podcast with paying you a compliment but it but it is something i've been trying to do a bit more whether it's um mm. you know whether you know i'm 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 out with my friends who i've been friends with for years or um i feel like yeah. I, keep, I keep talking about my jiu-jitsu training but it's all i've been doing for the last week so it's on, it's my only experiences to draw from but you know the other day i've <laughs> met, met a guy and he had a really cool like uh rash guard on and i said i was oh that's sick you know, and I, I've been trying mm. to do it because, as you said, I think uh, it's something that women do. You know, all you need to do is uh, you go look at my my girlfriend's Instagram. Anytime I, or any other girl puts a selfie up, there's 10 comments underneath from all their mates going, yes, queens. Fire. You know? Fire yeah. emojis. <laughs> yeah. Fire emojis, everything like that. And then you... <sighs> I think there's a lot of men out there that are probably too scared to put up a, a selfie, whether they've lost a lot of weight or they've just caught themselves looking good for once in the mirror, but they they you yep. know when they put that up it, it it's largely ignored um mm -hmm. but it means so much more i think because it, it comes because we see so little of it because of the scarcity of it when another man does pay you a compliment you're like like you said you do get the mm -hmm. warm and you get the warm and fuzzies don't you 
Absolutely, man. It's a good feeling. <laughs> why? I suppose. Well, we're we're really getting straight into it, but that's what I love. Like, why? Why do you think it comes from? Do you think some of it? Um, and and this is meaning no offense. Do you think some of it comes from uh, a worry of kind of looking gay, or why? You mm-hmm. know, where you know, or or being perceived as being a bit too feminine, or or things like that. Where? Yeah. In in your experience, why why do you think men struggle so much with paying each other compliments? So it's a tremendous question. I mean, like the whole, um, the whole, like the, the gay thing, I think it's really important to like acknowledge what that actually is. And the, the topic of like homophobia. So homophobia is an interesting one because it's not homophobia in the traditional sense, because the reality is that, you know, women are over sexualized um, in, a, in a homosexual um uh, through a homosexual lens when we think about men picturing women being together so mm. actually it's not specifically homophobia it's a fear of being perceived as gay amongst men yeah and ultimately yeah that is a societal um issue it's something that we have historically um for for generations and as far back as we go um gay men have existed yeah. And we, you know, also I want to be. I also want to be. You know, there are there are other identities and 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 things like that outside of just gay or straight. Um, you know, there are trans people, non-binary people. There are um, all of these different, you know, incredible identities and um, types of yeah, like genders and things like that. But ultimately, from the from the man's point of view, we live in a patriarchal structure and a system where we get taught that you have to be a certain type of man mm. and that comes from conditioning us through fear if you are not this then you are not a man so this mm. is this whole the, the term toxic masculinity certainly is is very very buzzy and gets thrown around a lot um you know it's also important to say just as a caveat that the patriarchy is what causes men so much suffering as well because it doesn't allow men the freedom to express themselves to be themselves they have to hide parts of their emotions and and you know their vulnerability and ultimately that is what causes the disconnection the lack of intimacy and the fear amongst men you know amongst us as men so the whole you know oh that's so gay like i mean i got i mean a great example was um I had so a couple of years ago, a really good friend of mine who used to be a client of mine, she started a photography career. Um, she asked me to model for her and I didn't really have much experience of anything like that. But I was like, I'll help a friend out. And we went and did like a studio shoot. She just wanted to try some like different lighting and things like that. And I was just there like, I'll just bring some like, I don't know, different outfits along, coming along absolutely fucking clueless, right? The shots that she did were unreal. Yeah. She made me look like something out of a fucking Armani like model shoot, something that belonged on a bottle of fucking aftershave. Yeah. And I was so weirdly proud slash it was a weird thing. So I looked at those photos and went, they look fucking unreal. But there was this immense discomfort at the idea of me looking unreal. It was those photos look great, but I can't imagine that I look great. Yeah, yeah. Because that is arrogant. That is, I think I'm better than everyone else. Mm. And, you know, I shared I shared a couple of them on my social media at the time. And absolutely, the, I mean, the first thing that happened within 10 minutes, the boys had screenshot it, put it in the group chat, edited it, told me I looked like a fucking gay ice cream man because I was wearing a striped shirt. Like all of this stuff. 
and it was just bang it was fucking fast they were on it like yeah you know fucking vultures on a on a something just died like they were just they just went for it yeah and it fucking it really hurt yeah because bet. all it was 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 me just hurt like helping someone out and you know we later on did like another photo shoot and it was like i did this stuff like in the sea and man these fucking photos look great and i can sit here now and say i looked fucking great in those the photography was absolutely the responsible for it but like i looked really really good in those photos and i was really proud of that um not because i felt it meant anything about me as a person but because that's art and that is artistic and it's great to be creative and express yourself in in different mediums but again i felt this fear of even putting these things up for fear of people thinking i was arrogant i've been labeled as arrogant my whole life and arrogant is just right. like a discomfort thing um if you're coming across as arrogant you're probably trying too hard to hide parts of yourself and you're trying to pretend you're really cool and pretend you're this yeah so but no, like uh, I've kind of gone off on a bit of a tangent, but coming circling back to the whole like, why do men fear complimenting each other? Yeah, it's all to do with yeah this idea that we can't just be nice and we can't be kind to each other, and we have to again culturally we've learned to the way that men interact is through banter. We kind of chop each other down a little bit. We take the piss. We call each other names. It's it's meant to be in in jest right it's a sign of bravado and banter and actually it's a sign of like i actually like this guy because i called him a, yeah. i don't know a fat fuck or whatever but i've i've had a couple of conversations you know um that i remember where we talked about banter is great right banter can really really serve a great purpose amongst male friendship groups but if that is the if that is the kind of main operating point of all of the people in that friendship group it doesn't open up any safe space for one of those people in that group to express if they are not okay mm. and so that is where the problems start yeah because if one person expresses vulnerability and says i'm not okay or or even if they comment on something that says i'm not okay with what was said there or that really upset me when you said that or you you joked about this but actually that's something i'm really self conscious about mm. well if you're always operating from a place of someone speaks up and you take the piss out of them you're going to damage someone and you're actually going to damage someone that deeper down you really care about like we yeah. care about our friends yeah. So it's um yeah it's a, it's a difficult thing but it's ultimately it's culturally learned it's it's the way that we have yeah developed as men and we've learned to be around each other. Yeah. I think for me as well one way I've always thought about it is there's the whole thing in in kind of uh in terms of males where we're always seeking to be the alpha and you're always see so there's a certain mm. amount of and and regardless of whether we say it or not or maybe it's subconscious I don't know there's there's also a little bit of if you see your friend doing something really good whether it's seeing your mate who's done a modeling shoot and he's got a better rig than you do or one of your mates just got a promotion at work and they're now earning twice as much as you there's a certain amount of i can't my ego can't handle telling them congratulations and how good it is because i haven't done it myself so they go i'll just take the piss out of you instead and i think what, what mm. you said as well and, and i agree with and, and i do it with my friend me and my friends have destroyed each other for 10 years and things um but I, I'm I'm very lucky in in that we've we've managed to get the other side of it as well. Um, but yeah. I, I think there is that certain amount of it of of your the, it's kind of the the fragility of your ego going. I can't really deal with my friend doing really well at something, and I'm 
you know, mm. it, it's always the comparison is the thief of joy thing where you look at your friend and you go, oh, they're, they're doing well. And I don't know how to say congratulations mm. to them because it's not fair on me. And and it's I'm not this is not yeah. me going. This is not me um, calling this behavior out and saying how awful people are that do it and things because oh, oh man, I've done it. I'm sure you've done it as well. All, all men have done it. We all take the piss out of our friends when they've done something actually pretty cool. And I imagine for you to to have come out of that and seen the pictures of yourself potentially you know first time maybe in a long time you've looked at yourself and you go damn i look fucking good Mm. and then for that for that super super high to then suddenly just go to the very very depths um must have been really difficult mate and it's and it is it is horrible and you know i've had similar things and it's difficult because you know that none of it is malicious there's no maliciousness behind it there's no nothing you know it's Mm. fine but equally you're like can one of you just be like nice bro proud of you that looks sick you know and that's all it is that's all we want and what it comes down to is the idea that, that within our society and in our culture again men are actually conditioned to we are bred into a a, 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 comp, a competitive element so we are designed you know part and part of this could be you know um, natural but also the world that we live in profits off of us competing with each other right so get into capitalism a little bit, you know, how we, you know, we live in a society that prioritizes cap prioritizes capital money. Yeah. So we, you know, all of our, all of our structures, our workplaces, they are designed to make us compete with each other. So yeah. when one person does something good, we immediately make that about what that's, we in our minds make that about what is that saying about me? Mm-hmm. That person succeeded. So therefore they've beaten me at something. And that is one of the main components of masculine culture and male friendship and culture, which we actually don't need to do that. It's difficult to untangle that and separate ourselves from that, because if we've never known any better, we don't know how to do anything differently. Mm. But ultimately, if I can recognize that my friend getting a pay rise and he's suddenly earning double what I earn. If I can just not make that about me and how that makes me feel about myself. I can think about my friend's quality of life improving. I can think about him being able to provide things for his children that he wasn't able to do before. I can think of him going on holidays and making memories and buying things, you know, whether it's for his partner or whether it's getting a bigger house or just improving his life. Mm. Because all of that is about him. But that's not what comes naturally to us. We immediately, again, it's this <clears throat> competition over connection. Competition severs like connection. That. So... If he, if I make him and what he's doing about me and I subconsciously, because we're not doing this consciously, we're not going, right, he's done something. What am I making that mean about myself? We're not aware we're doing this in our heads, Mm. but deeper down and subconsciously, we are saying, what does that make me feel about myself? And if we learn to stop doing that, well, we can celebrate them. We Mm. can celebrate what they're doing and that feels fucking great. And then as you learn to do that for them, they go, wow, this feels good. The next time you do something for you, he might reciprocate because he recognizes how that made him feel. Yeah. Again, it's this like cycle. It, but breaking out of that cycle is really fucking hard. It's really difficult because it means being vulnerable and it means learning to recognize, yeah, where your ego's coming in and it's making something that someone else does about you when it's not about you. Yeah. Yeah. That like like you said, you summed it up so well there. That's that's the the hardest bit is not making it about you. And we're all so inherently designed essentially to think about ourselves, you know, whether it's like literally it's, you know, going back to just surviving, like we're like, no, you know, you put your 
put your own gas, put your own uh, oxygen mask on before anyone else's, you know, and it, it, it gets down to that. But that's interesting as yeah. well, what you said. And, and that, that cuts down to, to my experience with, with my friendship group is um, when I, when I first started this podcast um, and put it out there, the beautiful thing was I obviously, I had this huge influx of messages from people. Oh, I never knew you'd struggled with your mental health and all this, but a large majority of those messages were from my closest male friends. Um, mm. And, and since then, and this is, by no means me blowing smoke up my own ass and saying I did this. And I want to point that out because I know a lot of my friends listen to this and everything like that. But since then, I feel like me and my friends have a far more open conversation about what's going on in our heads. But more importantly, I feel like we celebrate each other a bit more. There's still the mm. absolute ribbings that go on, you know, just tearing each other to shreds. But equally, that's fine. You can have that. And, and I think there's a certain level of like camaraderie and kind of mateship within that. And I, I wouldn't change that for the world. Absolutely. Me, me and my friends, mate, I, and, and that's where the toxic masculinity mm. thing sometimes to me gets a bit much because actually sometimes I, I think a certain level of that is 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 brilliant. And I've I've loved it and yeah. spent, spent my years pissing myself laughing with all my friends, making, making fun of me and everyone else. You know, it, it's part of it. But when you get that peppered with a couple of, whether it's me out in Greece in the summer and I did a trick windsurfing and my mates saw it and they were like, that was sick. I'm like, that's going to carry mm. me through. That carries me through the next few days till the next one. And then I, I think we very much do lead by, um, uh, by, you know, there is this kind of tribal mentality of, I guess when, as soon as, you know, one person does it, we're like, Oh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll try it. Maybe I'll do it. I, you know, I don't know whether you can, you can Love uh, speak to that a little bit more, but um yeah when, when you do have like the the shaman or the you know the tribal leader mm. or whatever when they say right i'm gonna do this then the rest of us go oh, all right I'll, I'll have a go as well but it's so difficult because yeah. it takes and this is why i don't want it to feel like i'm blowing smoke up my ass because I, I don't you know I, I i worry it sounds like i am but it does take that one person to to do it first to to go yeah, actually I, i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you guys what's actually going on in my head and i kind of did it through a third party through actually i'm starting a podcast i didn't and and I didn't do it. And I, I was too too shy and I, you know, cowardly, whatever you want to call it. I was too I wasn't I wasn't putting that in the WhatsApp group chat and being like, boys, I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. Because to me, that was that was too far over the other way. That was zero to a hundred. And I think that's where a lot of men in particular struggle because they go, Who do I talk to? And I can't put this in the group chat, or I can't even talk to one of the boys from the group chat who is, you know, perhaps you're a bit closer to or anything. And I did it mm. via the means of essentially me starting a podcast. My mates going, oh, what's this shit Sandy's talking then? They listened and they went, oh, holy shit. I didn't know this about one of my best friends and how he felt, you know? Yeah. And then it turns out that a few of them were feeling the same and going through similar things. And we all go, God. and that's when it, it goes from being sympathy to empathy. And then, you know, wonderful yeah. things happen. But it's, yeah. Look at, um, I mean, look at with that. Um, first of all, in that, as you were talking there, you twice had to justify and play down the importance of the work that you've been doing and the positive impact that it's had by saying, I'm not blowing smoke up my own ass. So yeah. just to sit with that for a minute, right? Because look at how naturally we feel that we cannot celebrate ourselves yeah. without justifying and caveating it with, I'm not being arrogant, right? Yeah. Because this is that that still that plays into the whole dynamic of men cannot celebrate themselves for fear that they are being judged by others. And ultimately, it means that we're judging ourselves for speaking up about our successes. And we shouldn't do that. 
So you have every right to celebrate yourself and you don't need to caveat it, right? And and, and I'll, I'll say that because I've done the same thing countless times. Mm. Um, when we talk about, um, you know, you, you raised some amazing points there. Just quickly on the what you said about, um, you know, you talked about how much banter meant to you and, and how much you've loved those times in, in your friendship groups, right? Yeah. And, and this is really important. It's a beautiful thing. It's an yeah. amazing part of a friendship dynamic. Um, it's about making sure, though, that you are not prioritizing that and only operating from that framework, yeah. because if you do, and, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll speak to and, and share to my experience, you know, um, my work in kind of men's mental health space and, and learning to, to have conversations around masculinity all started from, you know, losing my friend Harry to to suicide. And, right. and again, probably worth putting a trigger trigger warning on this just uh, for, yeah. for anyone who, who, you know, could be sensitive for Um I spent, so this is a good, this is one of the boys, right? This is mm -hmm. one of the boys. It's one of your close group of friends. Um, at the time, you know, we're talking, uh, it was four years ago. So we're talking right. like getting towards our late, late, like mid to late 20s, like 25 to 28. I was friends with Harry for about three years. It was during a time where our social life was very um, beer at the pub, um, you know, recreational drugs, coke. Right. Um, it was the culture that's kind of, you know, that's just, that's how we interacted, right? It was, it was the norm um you know to us it was social to us it was um not problematic i mean don't get me wrong we had some big sessions but um for me it was all and, and you know we also used uh, we were all using it to numb out and you know avoid our shit and yeah you know we all know we all know that men traditionally don't feel safe being vulnerable until it's three o'clock in a kitchen somewhere <laughs> and you're around someone's flat right and then that's when you suddenly hear oh i love you bro or oh yeah here's yeah. how i'm feeling and we'll start opening up right so that was what we were doing. And I'd been vocal about my own mental health. I had that, you know, you, you did yours by launching a podcast, which is beautiful work. My, my foray into speaking up about mental health was a Facebook post back at the end of 2015. I'd been suffering right. for just over a year. Right. And I just fucking, um, I woke up one morning and I just fucking started typing on a Facebook post. Yeah. And I just shared everything that I'd been going through for a year. Right. And again, the, the, the feedback that I had was tremendous it was you know all beautiful amounts of support and kind messages and likes and shares on the post and all this sort of stuff and you know since then I became friends with Harry around a similar time and he um I think it was wow like I'd probably say in the like 18 months leading up to when he died he and I actually spent quite a fair amount of time one-on-one -on -one. like just you know he was he'd message me he'd moved into a flat on his own and he'd send me a message be like hey bro how you doing um fancy i don't know meeting up down the beach going for a beer popping down to the the, the brew house the local pub mm. um and you know I, I did you know he was he was that was my boy and yeah we caught up quite a lot and even in all of that time you know where you have that intimate one-on-one -on -one time you know, I was someone who had been very open. I think I was always a, a good space holder for people around me. People have always opened up around me because I'm, right. you know, quite a, you know, an empathetic person, I think. Um, and I'm able to sit and listen and not just be like, oh, here's what you need to do. I don't try to try and fix people. I'm just trying to help people feel safe with sharing their experiences. And not once did I ever know Harry was struggling. Wow. So he had reached a point, obviously, to take the decision that he did and to have reached that point and not have you know again not to make this about me but i felt like if there was a safe space for him 
because he was reaching out to me. And I, I think that was probably the only sign I really got. He was reaching out to me. He was asking to spend time with me. And, you know, I do that quite a lot of the time, but he never really felt comfortable to say to me, like, bro, I'm fucked. Yeah. Like, there's things going on with me that I'm I'm really struggling with. All I ever got was some compliments about, you know, oh man, you know, you sharing that stuff that you do, that's that's really good, man. I, I could never do that. But that's that's as far as it went. So if I reflect back, and again, this is not also beating myself up because we we do our best at all times. But had I had the knowledge that I had have now and, and have ultimately learned as a result of what happened to Harry. I would absolutely have begun this work earlier to look at the way that our friendship group operated, um, begun trying to nurse and support and, and, and deepen that and, and make it not just not just the banter, not just the ripping the fuck out of each other, not just the sessions and the coke and the beers and you know the, the pub and the you know all that sort of stuff, which also that's not shaming anyone who is at that phase of their life right now. Because again, culturally we learn it, it's very normal. Um, and also it doesn't have to be harmful. Um, but, and again, I'm not endorsing drug use, but, um, it is important to get that balance. It is important mm -hmm. to make sure that you know how to hold space. You know, you know, that at a second's grace, if one of your boys speaks up and says, I'm not all right, the banter can fucking stop there. And you can all, every single one of you can go, I'm here for you, bro. What do you need? Yeah. 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 That's it. You know, so important. Yeah, it's knowing it it's knowing where that line is, but equally it's it's being okay with, yeah, let's, you know, banter and all this. But yeah, yeah. As soon as, mm. soon as that, you know, it it's not uh we'll kind of laugh it off and we'll we'll half sort of talk about it and this. It's it's but equally, equally, um one of my, I suppose, fears when I was struggling and and and, and doing that was you you obviously fear telling people because there's the, you know, the, the age old, I don't want to be a burden and, and all that stuff. But sometimes mm. for me, for me, there was also a fear of the, there's, this is going to trigger like an almighty response and everyone is going to be at my door and how are you and all this. And I'm like, I, I also can't be asked yeah. with that. You know, there's the, can, can we, and, it, and it's, it's a really fine line to tread as as both the person suffering and also the the, the friend of or that you know the the whatever of of how much distance do i give this person but equally i don't want to feel like i'm not there for them but i also don't want to just completely freak them out and yeah you know, and, and and almost like you know something that i learned on them yeah do you know something that i learned for that is yeah. asking them what they need it's one of the most beautiful most powerful questions and it's because that simple. As, and again, as, as as men, we have this tendency to, um, if someone expresses, and we see this in, for example, heterosexual relationships, right? So men who date women, men who have wives, girlfriends, et cetera. And again, this is a very big generalization. A woman in this scenario, a woman expresses to her partner that she's having some trouble with something. She's upset about something, whether it's the relationship or she's having some problems at work. The majority of the time, what the man will do is he will present a solution. He will go, well, here's how you fix that. Here's what you do. So here's how you do that. Here's how you fix that. Here's what you need to do to stop that from happening again in the future. Yeah. And the reason that we do that is because we have learned that our roles as men are to provide, to fix, to serve. Yeah. What we are very bad at doing is just this, what, this term holding space. Mm. Holding space means sitting with that person in their pain or their anger or their frustration or that shit thing that happened at work 
and just helping that person feel comfortable expressing it. So just be there for them. Just say, fuck, like, it's basically like the difference is saying, what do you, do you need advice or do you need someone to listen? What do you need from me? What can I do for you when someone begins to open up? And that is the most beautiful question because it allows them to feel safe with asking for what they need. Because if you, if they just want you to listen and you start telling them what they need to do to fix it, you're gaslighting them and you're bypassing their pain. Mm. And you're not actually just acknowledging that what they're going through is fucking shit. shit. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, bro. I'm sorry to hear that, man. That sounds like that's fucking hard. That's, that must be really tough. Mm. Um, what do you, yeah, I mean, what can I do to support you? It's these questions, right? And this is the skill set that as men, we don't have. Yeah. So it's it's tough, man. But this is this is the stuff that we need to learn. But yeah, yeah, that, 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 yeah I like that, that, that bit you said at the end. It's a skill set we don't have, but it's a skill set that we absolutely can learn um mm. and it's our, our you know it's it's something that me in 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 my own relationship uh, i've been with my girlfriend now for for six years and it, it's only yeah. to be honest i only feel like in the last year have we really sorted this bit out of every time she presents me with a problem i'm like right i'll i'll solve it i'll do this whereas now i sit there and i'm <laughs> like and, and it, but it's taken a while and now i'm i feel like i'm at a point where i can sit there and go that is shit isn't it yeah that that mm. is yeah that is shit and we can kind of just sit there and do that but it, it to me it felt like it took a lot of rewiring it took a lot of rewiring yeah. because I, my whole instinct is go how can i make this better and actually realizing that the, the the way that i can make this better is by kind of just sitting there and like holding you and being like it's okay and i suppose mm. yeah it, it, if we can translate those actions to uh our relationships with our friends as well as relationships with our with our partners and things um yeah is, 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 it would yeah. be it, it would it would be amazing a great analogy for this is um and you know i'll be honest and i'll celebrate myself i came up with this one it's you know when we talk about um the way that we raise our men is that when we're little boys we start but we basically start pulling apart their emotional capacity their vulnerability their depth you know we start telling them don't cry don't be vulnerable all this sort of stuff right but at the same time we show these little boys what their lives are look, meant to look like when they grow up. So they're meant to have relationships. They're meant to be fathers. They're meant to be husbands. They're meant to be mm. providers. They're meant to be all of this stuff, right? So what we're doing is we're actually setting our little boys and our young children, our, our, our young boys, we're setting them up to not only fail, but to have really, really difficult lives by not giving them the skills to have intimate relationships, to not know how to hold space for people. Yeah. And it's like, if you can imagine living in England for all of your life, okay, you've never heard of another language. You've never, let's just say you don't even know other languages or other countries exist. And then what you do is after 30 years, you drop them in France <laughs> and you go, and you, and you go, right, you got to make that like you got you got to make that life look like you you know like like the one on the can like the one on the in the picture you've now got to make the intimacy you've got to make the you've got to get the wife you've got to get the job you've got to be the husband you've got to be the father you've got to make all that happen and you've got to yeah you've got to get a job got to earn money and you have not given them the ability to fucking speak to anyone that emotional communication is like the language communication we don't give our men the skill set to have intimate relationships with partners we don't know how to be great fathers you know and, and our men are fucking set up to fail so this is why men's work and men's communities and becoming um like learning like 
if we ask ourselves as men, like, what does masculinity mean to us? Like, what does that look like? What does what does my masculinity look like? We don't know. We mm-hmm. don't have a framework. We don't have any guidance. We don't have elders in our community, older, wiser men who fucking live the dream and live the fucking challenges and had the highs and had the lows sharing their wisdom. We don't have it. So yeah, man, like this. Yeah. A lot of work to be done, but it's out there. It's out there. And, and you know, it's, um, it's beautiful work when you see it. Yeah. I love, I love that. What, what, what you said at the end there. Um, and I think who, who was it? I was talking, oh, um, there's, I, I, I mean, wh- whatever you think of, of Shia LaBeouf, I, I was listening to a, a podcast with him recently. There's a guy called, um, John, John Bernthal. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah real yeah. ones. It's, 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 it's unbelievable. Yeah. So that, so, that conversation is one of the best things I've ever watched. Yeah. So, so, um, Shia LaBeouf t- talks a lot, um, in, in, in that podcast, um, about, um, at, at what point can you sit there and go, yeah, I'm a man now. You know, uh, back in the day, or 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 in other cultures, you know, Native American cultures, or, or or anything like that, you know, there was like a rite of passage that they had to do. You know, Vikings, whatever. Um, you know, these kind of ancient civilizations, they they had to go and do something, and then they came back, and they're like, right, now you're a man. Whereas, you know, Shia LaBeouf was like, where's that now? At what point? You know, what is it? Is it when you're when you get your driver's license? Is it when you get your first job? Is it when you buy your first house? Is it when you make your first million? You know. Uh, at what point can you sit there and go, right, I'm I'm a man. I mean, I'm I'm 31 now. And like, I'm sometimes I'm like, I am still a little boy, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. whether it's my odd obsession with uh, imaginary worlds <laughs> like, you know, Star Wars or Game of Thrones or something or or or, you know, the fact that I kind of just want to go and spend my life windsurfing and being on a beach somewhere. I'm like, at what point do, will I feel this kind of responsibility to go and do all, all this stuff? But then on the other side, I, I've, I've got and this is, again, me worrying about blowing smoke up my ass, what you said, James. So I'm not going to say that, even though I've just said it. But then I, I've got I've got the other side of my um of, of my life where I, I, I now run my own business. I, I do this podcast. I, I, I go and do a lot of things. I'm like, yeah, I, I feel like I'm a man, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, 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 it's a really interesting point. Um, and I, I'd love to get your, your thoughts on, on, on kind of what Shia LaBeouf said in that conversation and, and what you think it is when, when you think you get to that point. Cause I got to say I'm 31 and I'm some, I very often go, yeah, I don't think I'm there yet. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so that, uh, yeah, that Shia LaBeouf um, interview, I've, I've watched that through um, on YouTube front to back, like oh, wow. the whole way through twice. It's, it's over two hours long. Yeah. I've and only got about halfway. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's one of the most powerful conversations because we're talking about a guy here who, um, you know, ultimately one of the reasons why it's such a powerful conversation is because it's the first, one of the very few examples where a man is taking full responsibility yeah. for having for, for the damage that he's caused you know the domestic abuse um that he you know he went through with uh, i think his ex-wife yeah um you know all of these things that he talks about um and you know we live in a we live in an age of cancel culture so you know there are plenty of people who won't even watch it because they have they, well, that, that was they, why yeah made their decision that was why i was and broaching broaching do... asking it with you yeah was because I, I was like you know, exactly. I know there's so, a lot of people that hate him but one other thing I loved is is the fact that John Bernfeld mm-hmm. just sits there and he's like, obviously, I think I think they're friends. They've been in a few films together, but you know, going on. So, sorry to interrupt you, but you know, he he sat there without any judgment towards him and just let Shia LaBeouf just talk. And I think mm-hmm. that's something uh, hu- hugely valuable as well. You know, with with men, I, yeah. I say it as it's... I just interrupted you, but <laughs> yeah. no, yeah. don't worry, man. No, no, it's, it's an amazing point. And and 
look, there are so many, it's such a multifaceted um, topic because you've also got to think of, you know, the millions of, of of women, for example, men can be victims of domestic abuse too, of course. Um, yeah. It's not a competition. Um, millions of women who have been victims of either physical, emotional, um, domestic abuse with partners, where they, you know, all this sort of stuff. Those women are not obliged to listen to that conversation yeah. and 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 um, and and listen and understand, right? However, part of that, you know, so there's no obligation there, but there's always a hope that for everyone, for anyone and everyone to heal, we all have to come and heal together. So um, I will always encourage and 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 if they can hold space, because some men, some women have been so traumatized by men that they will never heal. Yeah. So, so therefore, to those women, I say, I love you. You know, I wish you all the healing. And of course, do not expose yourself to this type of conversation no. because it can really traumatize you, right? Yeah. But for those women who are in a position where they can just about muster up the courage and bravery to listen to a difficult conversation, what you will find is a man who has been to the fucking depths of his darkness. Yeah. And he has rummaged around with what is going on down there. And mm. he has found the fucking gold down there. Mm. And don't get me wrong, he's still got a lot of shit that he's working through, but he has taken full responsibility yeah. for that. His ego has died. He is now a man of service. He is someone who lives to rectify and make positive change in the world um, and, and make up for the damage that he did. But also every man, every person, doesn't have to be men, every person who causes other people pain has, uh, has done so because they are in pain, whether mm -hmm. they know it or not, whether they actually are aware of that. Like, there are a lot of people in this world who are tremendously successful with the external with money with whether it's men and you know the, the women that they have the wives the cars the watches all the holidays whatever but they aren't they just aren't aware of their trauma um and because the world has rewarded them with external things they think mm. they're happy but actually they're not aware of the pain they, you, I, I know i know men who you know work in hedge funds and finances and private financing who who make six figures a year bonuses and they cheat on their beautiful wives Mm. Um, and, and their wives are none the wiser, you know, they're not, their wives are very, 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 and ignorant is not an insult. It's they don't know what they don't know. And they're naive to what's happening around them. Um, but they have no fucking clue. And the guy has no idea why he does it as well. Yeah. So, you know, he's got no idea what he's doing. Um, that doesn't mean he's not responsible for it. He absolutely is. But my point that I'm getting at is when you realize the power of a man taking responsibility for his actions, no matter how sordid, no matter how shitty, no matter how much pain he's caused someone. That is a fucking powerful, beautiful thing to see. And, yeah. you know, again, it's not to justify any of the behavior um, at all. Um, but I've lost my train of thought, but yeah, no, just circling back to me, it's, it's, it's a really, really um, beautiful, powerful, vulnerable conversation um and i would encourage anyone to watch it because yeah cancel culture is a thing right um mm. you know the work that i do around compassion means that i mean i i've realized that as much as i hate people like donald trump and i think he's a fucking piece of shit misogynistic sexually abusing piece of garbage mm. i i can hold that and i can also hold deep compassion for what has caused and created a man like that yeah and that's what we as a you know 
that's the missing link for our collective healing. And that's our missing link for us all understanding each other rather than, you know, this, I think we had a conversation before around the, what did you call it? The something Olympics? The suffering, the suffering Olympics. Yeah. Just before we hit record. Yeah. So for anyone who's not sure, uh, and I'll explain it to you. I can't remember where I saw it. I can't, I honestly can't take credit for it, but I haven't seen it since. So maybe, maybe I dreamed it. I don't know, but it, you know, it, it's the, the suffering Olympics to me is, you know, I'll take the example of, you know, when I, when I was working in a hotel when I was 18 and, you know, in the Highlands of Scotland, our send of nowhere and someone, Oh, what time you on till? And I'd be like, Oh, I'm, I'm in till I'm in till 11 and then I'll go home and then I'm back in at six and they go, Oh, well I'm in till close. And then I'm back in at five. You know, and it, it's the mm. suffering Olympics of I've got it worse than you, you know, everyone. Mm. And, and and there is this thing. And I, I don't know whether it's a uniquely British thing, but, you know, um, I, I don't think it is. But pe- people love to feel hard done by. Um, and Martyrs, and, yeah. We well, love being a martyr. Exactly. Yeah. People, you know, to feel like you're falling on your sword. Um, and it is one of the things that drives me up the fucking wall um and i think especially men do it and again i think it comes back to what what we've been saying is they're almost afraid to ask for help because they want to be like nah, i can do this myself whereas actually just admitting you know and, and this can be with the simplest task they can just be with carrying something heavy uh, c- uh, compared to you know something you know massive whether it's you know, uh, 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 they, they want to speak about something in their life or anything it, it comes it comes around to all these things but mm-hmm. realizing that just asking for help with this, or if someone offers help, taking it. So it's not even like you've asked. Someone's offered it. And you go, no, 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 I'll do it myself. Or no, no, I've got, you know. Um, yeah, that's the suffering Olympics. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you know, what you said there, the whole, like, men in the workplace, like the example you gave, like, oh, well, I've got it worse. And, and if you've never seen it, there's an unbelievable sketch. I think it's a Monty Python sketch called The Four Yorkshiremen. It's on right. YouTube. It's John Cleese. And it's ba- it starts off with, you know, one guy saying, um, you know, oh, you know, we used to have it. We used to have it real rough. You know, um, we used to I'm going to put on a shitty Yorkshire accent. I'm sorry if any Yorkshire, Yorkshire Go people. For it, um, uh, but one of them's like, um, you know, we used to we used to live in a was it? He talk about like the shitty house that he used to live in. He's like and he's like, he's like house. You were lucky to have a house. Yeah. We used to live in a room. And he's like, it was one room, 26 of us. And there was all in ground. There was a big tarpaulin over the ceiling. Um, and we used to have to ro- drink water out of a rolled up newspaper. And then he's like, newspaper, you were lucky. And he's like, and it just keeps getting worse and worse. And it's just like one-upping each other, right? Yeah. And it just becomes fucking ridiculous. Check it out. I haven't done it justice, but it's it's hilarious. Um, so men do that between themselves. But also in society, we do it amongst our um the groups that we identify with yeah. so you know we do it um you know I, I shared a bit of content when i first launched my instagram page a couple of years ago and i said it was this like um what about ism right and if we if we choose if we continue to look at things through this us versus them narrative first of all if we do it on a let's just say on a gender basis right it's very easy to sit there and say that historically overtly so what I mean by overtly, I mean, is like kind of obviously and well discussed. Women have had it harder than men historically due to the way that our societies work. Mm-hmm. If you look at it on a racial basis, 
white or black again very very binary conversation here and where it's a lot more complex than this yeah, but yeah. understandably due to the power dynamic between whites and blacks in the history of things like racism or and i would say people of color you know black indigenous people of color um understandably white people have had it easier people mm -hmm. of color have had it way harder if you look at it on a sexuality basis um straight people versus non-straight whether that's gay bisexual transgender anyone who, who doesn't identify as cisgendered or straight where is the oppression the oppression is on the lgbtq community right mm -hmm. so if we continue to view things through this lens well first of all someone will always have it harder than you but secondly every time you do that what you're saying is that straight white men have no right to suffer so you've dehumanized them yeah. So you've completely, completely dehumanized them because you'll always have it worse. You'll always be able to find someone that has it worse. But looking at that, well, this is why we need to stop and we need to learn to hold space and have compassion and understanding for anyone who doesn't belong to our group, the, yeah. or, or, sorry, the groups that we identify in. If you're a man, listen to feminists. But if mm. you're a woman, listen to, you know, men's mental health conversations, listen to conversations about the challenges that men face with their masculinity. If you are white, listen to, you know, if you're a white straight male, listen to black transgender, um, you know, spokespeople, like, you know, one of my favorite, favorite human beings on the planet to listen to is a non-binary um, person called Brandon Carl Goodman. Mm. Um, their pronouns are they and he, so I can call him he, learning a lot about the whole pronoun thing, right? Um, but I came across Brandon's page during the George Floyd um, situation right. back in 2020. And Brandon was an incredible spokesperson for just helping people understand the challenges that the, the, the black, you know, or, or, or the, 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 the BIPOC community face and, and the black community face in America and how systemic racism is. And I started listening to them and I started to learn so much about, you know, um, racism and systemic racism. Mm. And then I realized that, you know, they identified as non-binary and I started to understand loads of stuff. Now, as a man, I don't get access to that information yeah. um, without without choosing to. I'm not educated on it. Our society fears this shit. So listen to other people. Don't get me wrong. Learn about your own shit as well so that you can speak up and you can take part in these conversations and you can express yourself. But if we only sit there and go, well, I'm a man, so all I'm going to do is talk about men's mental health. What you'll then do is when women speak up about male violence against women, you'll be one of the, oh, not all men guys. Yeah. Like, you, do you know what I mean? Like you, you'll, you'll just fight with each other. Mm. And that's the problem. We need to learn to come together. We need to learn to hold space for other groups and other communities and other identities and yeah. other races and all of this stuff. That's how we collectively heal. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, 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 first of all, that's wonderfully put. Um, but, I think the the biggest word or the key word to take out of that is is understanding, um, is is learning to mm. to understand people and then recognizing that it's all right to feel shit even if your shit isn't as bad as other people's shit, you know. And if if everyone yeah, yeah. can if Absolutely. everyone if everyone can realize that, then the 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 party lines begin to come down a bit, and everyone suddenly goes, oh, I can talk to this person. And and also, you know, in, in terms of un understanding and things, and, and something you haven't touched on is it's easier than ever to have access to these, whether you've, whether you don't have a, a, a black friend or a gay friend or anything like that, just go on the internet. There are a million podcasts out there. There are YouTube videos. There mm. is everything. Mm. There's Netflix shows. There's all this stuff. You, you don't need to, um, 
you don't need to go and spend the next week of your life reading and listening and just indulging yourself in every aspect of, of their culture or anything. You don't need to do that, but you can invest a little bit of time learning about how other people live and things like that. And ultimately, you know, that, that comes down to the, the old saying, you know, everyone always talks about traveling and how much it enriches your life. That's exactly what traveling is. You go and meet people from other cultures and things. But now if you don't have the opportunity to travel, you can do it online, you know, go and listen to to people like that. You know, I had, I had a guy called um, Salema Masakela on the podcast, who is a, a man I've been a huge fan of for years. Um, he's a, a, a kind of sports commentator within the extreme sports world. Um, and he's, he's, um, he's black. He's from, he's from California. And I had him on the podcast, uh, end of 2020 talking about George Floyd. And he did these huge things on, on the, you know, the beaches in Venice and all this stuff. And it was one of the most remarkable conversations I've ever had in my life because I'm like, I've never even been to America. So I'm sat there going, I can, you know, I, I can understand all this to a certain point, but then having the conversation, or if I hadn't had that conversation, I've also listened to other podcasts with him. And I was like, you know, it it was, yeah, it was quite an awesome thing to do. So yeah, I think taking, taking that, that word understanding mm-hmm. um, and, and drawing yeah. it out, I think, uh, I think can really give you a, a window into other people's lives and, and realize that they're, they're going through shit, but equally once you hear them going, look, other people go through shit too. You go, all oh, right. Okay. You know, and it's the same thing that we talked about, about, you know, men being able to hold space when one of their friends does well. Right. Well, when someone else is suffering, we don't have to make that about what that says about us. And ultimately, when you start engaging with yeah different communities, different genders, different whatever we're doing to try and deepen our understanding, what we learn is that when we stop trying to when we stop fearing other, you know, other um, yeah, other, I'm just going to use the word groups. When we stop fearing other groups' narratives and, uh, and and challenges, and we start to listen to them, what we understand is that we actually share a very common principle of humanity. Yeah. We're yeah. all humans, and we all actually go through the same shit in different ways. Yeah. And you know, the whole class thing is an interesting one because there are people with you know six, seven figure salaries, you know, who have everything good on the outside, but ultimately they are you know, chronically depressed and anxious, lonely, you know, uh, committing suicide and ending mm. their lives and doing all this stuff, right? That person's suffering is not inherently worth less because they have more yeah. than someone on the breadline. But that's also not to say that it's, it's if we if we continue to look at it through the class lens, we're always going to say, well, that person judge it, you know, that person, um, I don't know, deserves help and that one doesn't, or, you know, I don't know, we're just, we're just going to, everyone's allowed to suffer everyone's allowed you know we should all be seeking to help people not suffer regardless of what color gender background class they yeah, are yeah. um and and we need to keep working towards our common ground which is our humanity and yeah. like i say it, it's it's just the world that we live in thrives on us competing with each other it thrives on us um it makes us scared. And that's why we only want to sit in our little echo chambers where, you know, we sit and talk about men or women sit in their, in their feminism groups, or, you know, we, we, we don't feel safe branching out and saying, I want to learn about you. Or if you do, if you do feel like branching out, it's an attack rather than a, how do I understand? You know, for, for example, I, I've got, uh, I, I have a post on, on Instagram that, that has kind of performed very well. Um, and it's a quote mm-hmm. from a comedian called Bill Burr. Um, and it's all about, it's all about, uh, I'll, I'll read it to you. 
uh, realize that sleeping on a futon when you're 30 is not the worst thing. You know what's worse? Sleeping in a king bed next to a wife you're not really in love with, but for some reason you're married, you've got a couple of kids and a job you hate. You'll be laying there fantasizing about sleeping on a futon. There's no risk when you go after a dream. There's a tremendous risk to playing it safe. So that's mm-hmm. that's 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 Bill Burr, and that that's a huge uh, kind of cornerstone of of everything that I stand for is 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 realizing this. Mm-hmm. And 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 I've got some amazing comments from people going, "This is amazing," and, and all this stuff. But there are also a lot of comments of people going, "What a selfish fucking man leaving his kids. He shouldn't have had kids if he wanted to do that." And they have completely missed the point. Completely missed the mm-hmm. point. But almost all of these comments are from women, and. I and this comes down to exactly what we've just been talking about. I think they they just have they're so in their own echo chamber, and this is not me demonizing them at all. I'll put that out there now. Mm. But they're so in their own echo chamber of they've probably got kids themselves, whether uh, they're from a they they're from a broken relationship or whether they're happily married and stuff. But you know they're sat there reading that, going, "Fuck me, my husband better not leave me." And is he dreaming about this? And and, and equally, I'm sure there's men. Well, there are men that have commented as well, going, "I've got kids." This they've is made great. it. Yeah, they, they've made his message about them. Exactly. And that is the inability to just accept it for what it is. And you're absolutely right. They've viewed that through their lens. Their lens may have been affected by trauma, broken relationships, someone cheating on them, someone leaving them and their children, which also we then have to, you know, don't have to, but if we can, we hold space for that and we don't judge them for their reaction, right? This yeah. is that whole like, I mean, th- th- mate, this is this is compassion. This is just recognizing and viewing everyone through the lens of what You're pain could they be in that's yeah. yeah, what pain could they be in that's driving their behavior, right? Yeah. That's it. What pain are they in that could be driving their behavior? Because if yeah. they're causing pain or if they're not being sympathetic or empathetic or understanding, then ultimately it's because they've been triggered. And our yeah. triggers, which again I shared a post on, our triggers point us directly at the parts of ourselves that need love and attention. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then that's that that was kind of the the what I what I took from that, but that was that was that was really as we were having that conversation, I was like, I really want to read this post to James and, and get get it. But that's mm, good, that man. was that was I my um I, I what I mean by that is is you know the comments and things like that because that that was kind of what I took from it of like this is nothing about them attacking the the message behind that post because they they simply just haven't understood the post because they probably only read half of it and immediately as soon as they got to a wife and kids and a job he hates they stopped there. And they went, yep. you know, what the hell is going on uh, here? You know, I've got, I've got, I've got a great example. So about uh, six weeks ago, I shared a post um, that is again my most viral, shared, interacted with post in social media. Mm-hmm. It was the letter that was entitled "Dear Not All Men, Men." Right. All ah, right. And it was this, and it was this post that was aimed at eighteen months ago when um, Sarah Everard, the woman yeah. that was murdered by a policeman, died, mm-hmm. and. You know, women started sharing their stories about uh, it was you know it's almost like a Me Too movement around abuse. Um, yeah. You know, women were in their hundreds of thousands. They were meeting at vigils and sharing their stories of abuse, and they were saying men do this, men do that. And you know, don't get me wrong, they they didn't they were emotional. They didn't they didn't they don't have the time and the energy to frame their words and their pain in a way that protects male men's egos. Yes, it's not all men. But the response from men all over the internet was so fucking loud of, it's not all men, we're not all rapists, we're not all this, we're not all that. And it was just this divide and this like men and women going at each other, right? So this post that I shared, um, this post that I shared, yeah, it was about like maybe six or eight weeks ago. 
was a letter to the men who last year were so vocal, so vocal and so, you know, incensed with rage and defending the, the, the name of good men, right? I said, right now there is a man on the internet talking about how it's basically okay to sexually assault women and women need to take responsibility for being raped and all this sort of stuff. I'm talking about Andrew Tate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and his his content had gone viral and he was building this audience and he was in, influencing young men with all of this misogynistic, horrible shit. Yeah. And I just saw silence. I saw silence from these men, right? Now, again, it was a little bit to start a conversation. It was a little bit provoking. It was a little bit, you know, like, come on, guys, you know, a bit of passionate language in there. But it was just saying, like, right now, what are you doing? Are you talking to your children? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? Right? Yeah, yeah. The post blew up because naturally women felt heard by a man. You know, I'm a man. I was identifying and supporting the message that women, you know, were probably really, really feeling like they needed to be heard. They shared it. It went viral, blah, blah, blah. That died down after about two weeks. It got shared hundreds of times a day for two weeks solid. Mm -hmm. And after it died down, I shared another post that said, right, this post I shared a couple of weeks ago was because of this, 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 and this. I gave some commentary on the feedback, why it got shared and why it was important that we actually pay attention to that conversation. I said, there's another conversation that we need to have. And that is now trying to understand why men are defensive about this stuff why are men saying not all men why are men buying into men like andrew tate's message what's happening here right mm. and i got a fair amount of backlash in the comments from women who thought i was or in their mind they thought i was uh you know an ally for feminism and women but i'm then telling people that we need to hold space for why men are ignorant right and and so don't get me wrong, I did, and I even put in this post, there are some women who have been so traumatized by men that they will never, ever be able to hold space and understand what's happening in, in, in men's worlds and why they're buying into this stuff. So for again, I said to them, I don't expect you to do this, but this is more so for women who have a hope of having things like relationships with men, who, who want to see the good and the healing in men and the possibility that men are, are good. Mm. But there was still so much conflict. So women went from immediately feeling like they were seen and heard to kind of attacking me and saying, oh, we shouldn't do this and we shouldn't do that, right? And that is what it is. That's just a symptom of this inability to hold space. And there's also, as I say, like women who have been abused by men. And, and again, that's, I'm going around in circles here. But yeah, it's hard, man. It's, it's hard to, these are complex things. And the yeah. world that we live in thrives off of like oversimplification and binary shit and clickbaity headlines. So it's, it's, it's hard to hold a nuanced conversation, especially on social media. Well, yeah, I mean, we're not, we won't, we won't dive any further into social media because that's a, that's a, an absolute mind kind of worms. in it, in it, in itself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. but yeah, I think, I think that's it. And I think that the biggest takeaway is, is what you, what you said is, is focusing on understanding rather than, rather than anything else. And then as you know, as you said, the, 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 the kind of party lines start to come down, whether it's, you know, yeah, the, you know, I'll hold my hands up and say, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in a, an echo chamber and I'm very much staying in my lane of, of, I kind of talk about, uh, mental health, uh, specific, a lot of the time specifically men's mental health, but equally mm-hmm. kind of, you know, uh, uh, I suppose not necessarily, you know, I've had, um, quite a few women on the podcast and I've got plans to have a lot more on the podcast. So, you know, it's, it's yeah. not necessarily that, but it's, yeah, it, it, it's realizing it's about that doing both. 
it's about doing both you're allowed, you know, you've you're, got to yeah. speak up and, and you know you don't you don't have to justify uh like we we as men and i say we like because i i had a similar thing i found it very difficult around the sarah everard situation to go from someone who had been speaking so persistently and consistently for you know best part of a year about men's mental health yeah, and yeah. having conversations about men opening up to all of a sudden saying um men you need to shut the fuck up and listen now is not the time to start defending all men like yeah, it's yeah. not all men like you know and and so yeah but like i say it it landed well but it made all it made most of my audience women you know because i've oh. got you know like two or three thousand new followers and all of a sudden it's women who who you know understandably felt seen and heard but some men felt attacked because i was meant to be this like ambassador of men's masculinity and you know mental health and stuff so yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We, we we definitely still need to have the men's spaces, the women's spaces, the people of color spaces, the, you know, the safe spaces. It's about safety, right? But it's only once we create a safe environment for men, safe environment for women, that that if we can start to then try and merge or blend or, or have conversations and and communicate between those groups in a way that is trying to understand each other, yeah. that that's where we'll see some real fucking progress, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But and uh, as well as that is, you know, realizing there's the the quote I I posted it the other day is is realize that you can do anything but not everything. You know, when 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 mm. it whether it is you opening up and and things like that, it, it can be you know o- overwhelming and you don't need to. And and I I think there is a lot of stigma of coming out of your lane, and I think that needs to be addressed. But equally, if you find something that you're hugely passionate about, you don't need and it's okay. You don't need to be hugely passionate about everything, you know, and you don't, don't need to, to, to do all that stuff, you know, um, as not, uh, to me, as, as long as you're doing some good, then, you know, it doesn't mm. matter. And as long as you're making a, an actual effort to try and understand and try and, like you said, ho- hold space and, and, and be there, um, and yeah. be willing to listen rather than, you know, either solve a problem or add up another, uh, another barrier then I think you know, you're, you're doing the right thing, you know? Yeah, there's a great quote um, and a video that, that goes around on social media of Kyrie Irving, uh, the basketball player. Right. And he says, um, he says, he's being interviewed by, by someone in the media and he says something along the lines of, why would I spend my time worrying about the perceptions that other people would have of me? He's like, what a tremendous, you know, like that, that's just like a, a means of human suffering yeah and don't get me wrong like we are we, we are he's like why would why would i bother spending my time doing that and yeah you know like as long as we are doing our best we are all human we can't become experts on every um on every complex conversation in society um mm. we can endeavor to learn that's all we can do and we can just try our best to continue doing more and again just always come back to always come back to again being compassionate towards yourself compassionate towards others keep um you know keep keep listening into the conversations around the stuff that you don't you you don't know and you don't understand um and just try your best to yeah with as you learn compassion for yourself you learn it for other people and then you just learn to stop judging people we all judge a fuck lot like we really do and it's because we've learned to judge we've learned to to, you know have opinions about people and things and it's often it often comes from a place that we we actually just don't understand it so just we just keep on keep on keeping on and keep doing our best you know keep on understanding yeah exactly well i think that's that's a fairly wonderful place to uh to to wrap this up james um before we go where where could people find you um, whether it's on on social media or anywhere else, as I understand, you're you've got you've got kind of big plans for for what you're what you're up to at the moment. So 
plug away my friend plug mm-hmm. away thank you bros yeah so i'm um i'm in the process of doing two things so number one is launching my coaching business and my coaching is for all genders so my coaching is centered around um yeah compassion focused coaching so life coaching um and i've i've soft launched that i'm working with a couple of clients now but in a few weeks time i'll be launching that um so that's there for anyone and everyone who feels like they need some support and and direction you know maybe maybe with any aspects of their life relationships business um self-worth understanding themselves all that sort of good stuff um but the you know we've had a a great conversation today about masculinity and men um you know through large parts of it um um yeah again i'm a little in the next sort of month or so i'm going to be relaunching um uh, a new iteration of my online men's community which is a free community um so that's called the olympus brotherhood and it's going to be a you know we've talked about having a safe space for men to come and you know, having a framework for for, for masculinity and, and, and doing their work. And it's something that I'm deeply passionate about. So, you know, um, yeah, just basically come and find me on Instagram. Um, all of the stuff's going to be down, you know, sort of coming out on there in the next few weeks. So that's just at the compassionate man. And um, yeah, drop me a DM if you've got any questions, uh, all that sort of stuff. My inbox is always open. Um, yeah, happy to help anywhere I can. Beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, make sure you you follow James. Um, he's a a wonderful person to follow. Um, and I hope you guys have enjoyed this conversation as well. Uh, as I said, I am, uh, at the after hours lounge on Instagram. You can go to the link in my bio there. If you like what I'm doing, if you enjoy the podcast, you can buy me a beer, although it's probably a Coke zero these days, but I don't know. I'll still have a few beers, but, um, yeah, as I say, all this talking is thirsty work. Um, if you don't want to do that, I understand times are tough. Um, so you can just, just give me a like, give me a share, leave a rating and a review on, on, on Apple Podcasts if you listen there. You can also leave a rating on Spotify now. Um, so yeah, leave leave a rating, leave a review, share it to your Instagram story, your favorite episode, anything like that. It's free for you to do. It takes two seconds and it massively helps what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll thank you guys in advance for doing that. Uh, once again, thank you, James, so much for, uh, for coming on. That's been a hugely enlightening conversation. Um, and I hope you guys have enjoyed listening um, as well. And uh, yeah, we will see you for the next one.